What's up, everybody? It is Wednesday, August 18th. You're listening to the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. Pat is away in the desert doing some business right now, but we still got a packed show for you today. Jordan Spieth joins the show fresh off signing a new deal with FanDuel. We got the Scottish warrior, Drew McIntyre. I had a SummerSlam on Saturday night in Vegas, and NFL legend James Harrison joins Pat and AJ Hawk to chat about everything going on in the NFL. It's a good one. Let's get into it. That's right. I couldn't hear the beat drop there, so I might have powered right through it. I might have hit it right on time. I'm out in the middle of the desert doing some business and getting a chance to chat alongside the toxic table back in Indianapolis, Indiana, at Boston Connor, at Ty Schmidt will be here for the entire three hours. The Hammer Don boys will be joining us an hour or two, as will AJ Hawk. Obviously, everybody behind the glass, we got an exclusive from Jordan Speed today. What? He's part of the FanDuel family now. Wow! Come on! I was told by my sources that it was an exclusive and large deal. So congrats to Jordan. You know, Jordan is uh, surprisingly a great conversation. We had to record this, pre-record this, because the news, you know, we had to hold on for a couple days, by the way. Good for us being fucking professional. How come nobody's ever talking about that, Ty? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, you you did your due diligence. Hey, you could have, you know, maybe... Pop that out there a little quick. Got got people on their heels, but you said, you know, no, uh, we'll we'll wait. We'll let this thing play out how it should. And remember, most times whenever I have a piece of information from sources, I blatantly ruin it. Sure, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, wait, is that the Hammer Down Boys in there? I just hear uh, Tone Diggs, Chameleon Diggs do a little chuckle in there with the Kofi Cowboys. We figured special occasion might as well come on for all the hours. <laughs> hey, <God. laughs> This is awesome. Um, Yeah, you know, the last time I got any inside information, while reading the inside information, I gave away my source. It was uh, Aaron telling uh, me that nobody's cleaned his house except for his cleaners and a thing like that. And I said, per my sources, blah, blah, blah. This time, I guess because there was some big business still to be handled, we had to hold on to that for a couple of days. Great conversation with Jordan coming up here. Never before seen combo between us and Jordan Speed. His agent, you know, before... You offended us a little bit. 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 All right. Anyways, uh, Drew McIntyre, the Scottish Superman... Ooh. Ooh, whoa, warrior I, as well. I thought it was the Scottish psychopath. Whoa. No. Whoa. No, I, he's not a psychopath. He's actually pretty cerebral. And, yeah, you know and calculated. I mean? like he, and... Yeah, calculated. <laughs> yeah. So Drew McIntyre will join us in the second hour alongside A.J. Hawk. And then in the 2 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, we will have James Harrison joining. Okay. James Harrison and I have only bumped in, into each other one time. And it was at Club Villa in south side of Pittsburgh, which is the tallest bar in Pittsburgh. You have to be at least 6'5 to go into that place <laughs> unless you're me or James Harrison. I was introduced quickly to him. Hey, how you doing? 
he was nice, surprisingly. And then it was a uh, how you doing, keep moving situation. I haven't talked to him since. He is in the show Heels, which comes out on Stars, I believe, yesterday. When's that? Today? Uh, sometime this week, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, at which we will break some news here. All right. Right now, just to start the show, we will break some news. When I chatted about being offered a role for my acting debut, it was for this show, Heels. And I did turn it down. I did turn it down. But only because the scheduling wouldn't work out, nor the character they asked me to play. So it was was a couple things that happened, but Uh I've been excited for this Heels show and also excited to chat with James Harrison for a long time. Uh, at Tone Diggs, James Harrison still beloved in Pittsburgh, right? I assume, even though he won elsewhere. Yeah, there was that period of time where everyone hated him for going to the Patriots. But like, soon as you see a highlight of him returning a ball 100 yards in the Super Bowl, that all falls all the wayside. James Harris, James Harrison, still beloved in my heart. Yeah, Debo is a fucking animal, too. And he's lifting more than anybody else. He's uh, getting into acting. He did the commercial for FanDuel last football season. We mm-hmm. all saw I'm excited to chat with him. But let's get right into today's subject. Shall we, Ty? Yeah, Connor? let's do it. Yeah, let's come do on. It. I, listen, I don't know how much I can move. All right, I'm getting a little excited and a little bit antsy. And where I am, all right, out here in the middle of the desert, a little bit early, okay? Sure. So the neighbors might be hearing me get a little bit excited a little bit early because this morning I woke up 4 a.m. local time, all right? <laughs> 4 a.m. local time. I'm like fucking The Rock, Mark Wahlberg. And as soon as I opened my eyes, I was like, wow, it is very dark outside still. <laughs> I'm wide awake. And why the fuck is John Mara talking oh. publicly about the, the competition committee? That's all I thought of this morning. As soon as I woke up, what the hell is this guy's lack of self-awareness all about? So for those that don't know what I am going on and on about right now, what I'm t- uh, chatting about is this point of emphasis taunting rule that has been added into play conveniently immediately after Walt fucking Anderson gets in charge of all the rules. Mm-hmm. Now, points of emphasis are much different than new rules or tweaking of rules or anything like that. Points of emphasis are rules that are already in there, but hey, we need to keep an eye a little bit tighter on these particular rules. We've seen it in the past, preseason, early parts of the season. The competition committee, which is a group of nine people, I believe, that Commissioner Goodell puts together, they say, hey, our game is starting to look a certain way. We need to put a point of emphasis on something so we can change it. And there's been a couple good things that have happened out of points of emphasis. The game has changed in a safer way, a a faster way, a quicker way. It has opened the game up more, some of the points of emphasis. But the one that they decided this year, one of the ones they decided this year, has my panties in a bunch. Mm, They have me absolutely furious because there is no reason for this particular thing to be the sole focal point of the refs, the officials, the media, the everything, especially in the world that we are currently living in. People are looking for happiness, entertainment, excitement, anywhere that they can possibly find it. We're coming out of one of the worst times in the history of human existence when it comes to isolation, depression, and man, what the fuck am I going to do tomorrow? (laughs) There's a lot of that. The NFL, sports, shows, things are an outlet for people in a time of crisis and need. I don't know why the NFL said, you know what, this year is the year 
we want to get our magnifying glasses out, all right? We want to take our uh, older white hands and zoom in on something. We don't want anybody taunting anybody. Mm -mm. Let's take success and happiness and excitement and emotion out of the game just a little bit. We did this years ago on the celebration thing. Everybody fucking hated it. Everybody fucking hated it. But we cracked down because we're the ones that make the rules around here. They eventually came back, said, hey, celebrations are allowed. Everybody was excited. Everybody was happy. And here we are staring down a season with refs getting trigger happy on the flags for somebody celebrating all their hard work paying off. John Mora, who we have learned a lot about through the past offseason because he has come out and said, uh, to be honest, the reason why my team's spending money in the offseason is because I'm sick of having to explain why my team sucks. Well, <laughs> sir, I am going to give you a great example of why your team probably does suck here right now so john mara president or owner of the giants also in the competition committee he was asked about why the point of emphasis on taunting was kind of brought to the forefront this season this was john mara's answer remember this is a mouthpiece for people that are shaping the game going forward the uh, taunting emphasis what were the conversations about that among you guys yeah i mean that's something we discuss every year in the competition committee we we get kind of sick and tired of the of the taunting that does go on from time to time on the field we've tried to balance um the sportsmanship with allowing the players to have fun and there's always a fine line there but none of us like to see that and uh, it's just a question of whether you can have rules that can be enforced and without taking the fun out of the game too but nobody wants to see a, a player taunting another player i know i certainly don't and i think the rest of the members of the competition committee feel the same way too Okay, so this guy stinks. Yeah. This is a guy that none of us would be friends with, uh, and he wouldn't be friends with us as well. But you have to think about John Mora whenever you listen to somebody speak like that. Uh, you know, we're sick and tired of the talking. Like, okay, John, all right, I'm happy to hear that you're sick and tired of people who are working their asses off, getting paid well while making you billions of dollars. You're sick and tired of them talking or expressing themselves as the humans they are, John. We get in your early statements there, you're saying, hey, just fucking play football and get back in the huddle. We get it, John. Okay, we get that's what you want. And I think what John was trying to say, and I think what the people on the internet who have been supporting the NFL in this egregious decision have been saying, well, they're talking about celebrating and they're talking about taunting. Taunting is when you're mean, Ian Rappaport said. And that's why. And taunting is when you're in somebody's face and everything like that. Then we saw the rule get instituted this past weekend. And everything we thought it was going to be, which is a ref's judgment on whether or not it is taunting. A kid, Ben LeMay. LeMay from the University of Charlotte. Uh, playing against the Carolina Panthers on the Indianapolis Colts team. He's a running back. That running back room is very deep, going to be very difficult to make the team there. He busts open a run, carries eight motherfuckers in, uh, in Carolina Panthers uniforms down the field, potentially changes his life completely, which is what the NFL should be proud of and happy of, by the way. We're a league that has changed lives forever. He gets up, ah, quick flex, excitement and you see that ref come flying ah you can't do that and that's what it's going to become with the points of emphasis so everybody's trying to separate taunting with celebrating 
Well, I'll tell you what, unless you're hearing what the person is saying completely, do you really know if it's a taunt or a celebrate? And if somebody's being ill-spirited or spiking a ball on somebody's head or being obnoxious or ridiculous or egregious, I can understand that not being good for the game. But this bullshit, of, we're tired of them talking and we want them to do this without taking the fun. Well, you took the fun out of it when you made it a point of emphasis. And John Mara... Listen, I don't want to hate you, okay? I never met you. Sure. I like I like people that have a lot of money and have success and do stuff. I think it's inspiring. I mean, it, my natural instinct growing up where I grew up is to hate everybody that has money. Natural. My family hates people that have had money. It's kind of what I grew up on. Okay, those people up there, selfish, greedy, pricks, play the game system. This is how this whole thing goes. But I have a, the utmost respect, especially as I sit in a villa in the middle of the, uh, the desert. Yeah. For people that grind their ass off and make it to the top and change the world. We'll forever need those people. But John Mara is not one of those guys. No, let's, no. let's make sure that is understood. He is, what was it, Ty? Third generation cashola. That's this right. guy was handed an NFL fucking team. He's never had to compete for anything. He has no idea what it's like to potentially go back to the streets or make it in the NFL. And he's the one saying, we're sick and tired of this. Well, John, I'm sick and tired of people like you having no idea what life is like outside of your bubble. You are one of the luckiest people in the history of our Earth's existence. You were handed an NFL team, the greatest league on Earth. Getting a team in the NFL is what guys like me are working our asses off in one day of hoping to get. Gary V. look at Portnoy, look at everybody in the sports world that wasn't just handed an entire wealth. We're all working our asses off in hopes of one day getting an NFL team. You were handed an NFL team. Why don't you acknowledge that, appreciate that, realize that, and say, hey, let's make our league the best it can possibly be. Let's go ahead and enjoy what our game offers, which is incredible emotion, storybook endings, everything it be, as opposed to, yeah, I'm sick and tired of hearing them talk. Shut the f I'm fucking sick and tired of hearing you talk. John Moore, that's how I feel. Ty, your thoughts? Well, yeah, it's asinine. And it's funny that you mentioned the the talking thing, because I'm sure we'll talk about hard knocks later. But, like, that's a perfect example of that. Is like you get these joint practices, and you got two guys who are talking shit to each other, but, like, it's jovial. There's no harm in it. And is that the kind of stuff that's going to get called this year? Like, it, it just – where I mean, where do you draw the line? And I don't want to – like, John Mara could be a good guy. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, he's probably you know, a sack of shit, but yeah, he could be a good guy. He could be a good guy. And I, my, my judgment of him never having to compete for anything in his life might be wrong. <laughs> you know, like maybe he didn't take the uh, water polo photo and get into whatever school he got into. You know, like that admission scandal thing is, is pretty damning for that high society community on whether or not their resume is actual you know right you know what i mean like oh, yeah. it's hard it's hard to be like oh okay that's real but let's assume he has earned everything yeah he got that council job special counsel right out of college by yep. his dad and then became president and everything so let's just assume that he is he's very very hard working and he has to be to have his job whatever all that shit 
Why is this what you want to take a stand on in 2021 after everything that just happened? Why would this be? You, you got to be a dumbass if that's the case. Like, you got to be. And the other members of the competition committee, I, we have a lot of respect for. Connor, yeah. who, who else is on the uh, competition committee? Mike Connor? Tomlin, here it is. Mike Tomlin, Peyton, Elway, Rivera. I mean, guys that we actually genuinely enjoy. We have a lot of respect for Ozzy Newsom became one of the greatest drafters in the history after playing. Like, I have a lot of respect for a lot of these people on here. Mark Murphy, I mean, he's a, huh. he was handed a team as well, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, like, there, there's a couple people on here. Stephen Jones, now he's also going to be handed a team, right, from his yep. dad making a great decision. We can't hold that against Stephen Jones, right, until – there are things that happen. We go, okay, we hate Stephen Jones. Like, I think there's there's a way where you can grow up in a successful family and still have all Arthur Smith, incredible example. Yep. Arthur Smith, head coach of the Falcons, that guy's dad, a runs owner, founder of FedEx, right? He could have had there's a lot of people that are like that. So I don't want like us to necessarily just judge Stephen Jones because he's in the exact position that Mara is in okay mm-hmm. Stephen jones has acted differently though i don't know if jerry has mara though sounds like an absolute buffoon when he's speaking if any of these other competition committee guys would have came out and said that i think our reactions much differently i think we kind of go out and say like hey tomlin who uh played safety william and mary got his first coaching job uh underneath bill stewart rest in peace has had to grind his way through everything he was a surprise hire from the steelers nobody expected him to get his job has had nothing but success if tomlin came out and said well obviously we are at the egregious (laughs) stage or whatever the fuck he was going to say like i think it would be much different this guy just has the most punchable face and resume in the history so whenever he sounds like he's anti-fun which is what this rule is whether that's what they want it to be or not it is what it's being called already as. It was just a poor decision by all parties, I think, Ty. Well, yeah, and you look at just like the how low the self-awareness is. I mean, like, I don't know if he thought, I don't know what kind of reaction he assumed people were going to get, but like if he didn't know that the onslaught that came after it was going to come, like then you got an even bigger issue. Connor, I hate this, dude. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense, especially with a guy like, hey, Sean Payton was basically paying players to murder quarterbacks, (laughs) and here we are now, and he's saying, hey, you can't even celebrate after you get a first down? Like, there's got to be some sort of, okay, you can't throw the ball after a first down at a guy or something, but you should be able to show some emotion, maybe talk a little shit, and then keep it moving. Like, it, it has to either be way over the top, celebration and that can be a penalty but it can't be this small little shit that's like all right 15 yards the whole play's ruined your drive's ruined punt the ball basically on second down because you're screwed and what if you have a ref that doesn't like one of the players Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. you know like that happens like that that i think there's well didn't like me he's not like he i think clearly i'm gonna call it on one when three other refs told him it was on somebody else now i'm gonna do that with this taunting thing it's now the ref on the field's decision on whether or not it was ill-willed or not. Like, is that what it – like, I don't understand. I, I, I have no idea how this works out well. I just don't know why it's a point of emphasis. That is the biggest thing for me. As somebody who was in the league and saw the point of emphasis meetings behind the scenes and everything, they're trying to shape the future. And it's like I understand, you, like, the way he just said it, the talking. Like, hey, I hate to break it to people. Like, 
football is football. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. This is, football is football. Football is a violent sport, by the way. Football is a sport that to play it, you have to have a lot of emotion. You you hear there's people that puke before every single game. There's people mm-hmm. that run their heads into walls before games. There's people that isolate themselves for six months because they have to get into the proper state of mind to run their face into other people to play this sport. Football is not like any other sport because nobody can create a sport that can survive this long as gladiatorial. Gladiator or- gladiatorial? Is that like oh. gladiator-like? Mm-hmm. It's the most gladiatorial sport there is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. every Sunday, my city is fighting your city. Our gladiators mm-hmm. are going on the field to fight your gladiators. And we live in a society now with more information than ever on the future, so the rules are changing. But at the end of the day, it is still played by dudes who, believe it or not, have to potentially be assholes to get the job done on the field as they're being asked to run 22 miles an hour and run their face into somebody else or some others, two people, three people that are running at 15 miles an hour. So if you don't want the potential two second afterward, excitement still lost in the thing, I don't think you like the sport of football. Like, I, I just don't think you fully, this is just like the, um, people like to paint a picture of what they want something to be and act as if that is how it actually is. Like, hey, this is not, Football is a sport of emotion. Like, this is just how it is. Football is a sport of opportunity. Football is a sport that should be welcoming to everybody, all personalities, all kinds. It is a unifier in the classical sense. That's why when politics, which get involved in everything, got brought in, so many people got mad on both sides. I mean, it was just like, hey, football is our ultimate getaway, our ultimate... Like you should... It just... We should not be harnessing excitement. That's what makes our sport great. I would assume what happened was Mara goes to his golf rounds on Tuesdays after games and his foursome of old whites is like, I don't like when players talk after the down is over. And he took it back and the the competition committee didn't listen to anything he ever says. And they just voted. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Mara. Do whatever you want. And then this happened. (laughs) You think just as soon as Mara starts talking at those things, it's just like that. Uh, I would assume so. There's, no, there's no way Tomlin's behind this. Yeah, because Tomlin, I mean, there's so much swag from Tom. Tomlin talks shit. So I heard a story, this alleged, okay, alleged, obviously. This is an alleged story. Chris Boswell was kicking. Maybe he was going through a little bit of a slump. And uh, we're having a couple beers, you know. And this is looking back, hindsighting, not during his slump. It was not. He was not drinking during his slump. I don't want that. This was off-season looking back on slump, you know. And we just so happened to be sitting at a – I forget what bar. A good bar in Pittsburgh. That guy where Todd Haley busted his hip. Tequila Cowboy. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. So we were sitting there having a beer or two or four, you know, whatever it was. And I was just chatting with him. Boz is a cool guy, by the way. I'm a big fan of Boz as a human. I think he has grown and matured a lot. He hits the fuck out of the football. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan. I asked – you know what happened? He goes, he just didn't know. I was like, how did Tomlin handle it? You know, like, I like hearing how, like, how did Coach Tomlin handle it? He said it, at first he was, like, motivating, you know, and then at one point he came over and he just, like, kind of started talking shit to Boz. And I think Tom, Tom, Coach Tomlin was like, all right, how do I get the Boz? You know, like, how do I get the Boz? Like, okay, some some guys need, like, motivation. How's the reaction to the motivation to the praise? Oh, some guys need me to poke poke at him a little bit oh some guys 
Like, there's different ways to coach and reach everybody. And from the stories I've been told, Tomlin is a very, very good shit talker. Mm. So there is no way that Mike Tomlin sitting on that competition committee was like, yeah, let's take shit talk and excitement and emotion because he knows that that's how some of our best players that have ever played in the league, like, that's how they perform. They need that type of interaction. Go ahead, Connor. Well, and it's same with, like, Ron Rivera to that point. Like, he was on the 85 Bears, and Ditka would eviscerate his players, and then they'd go out and get the job done. And when you were talking about refs hating players, like, when the emphasis was on high hits, it felt like when James Harrison, anytime mm-hmm. he would hit someone, it was like, ah, oh, fuck it, throw a flag, and let's find the guy. So there are going to be dudes, like, D-backs. Like, I honestly think of Jalen Ramsey. He makes so many good plays, and he celebrates it the way he should because he's legitimately changing the course of his family's generational wealth because of the fact that he plays well, but he's going to get flagged after, you know, making a, not a game winner because hopefully, you know, when you make a game winning pass, they won't flag you for the next game and give you 15 yards on the oh. first play. Who knows? Maybe they will, but it's just like at some point there has to be a, okay, if it's egregious, fine, but they got to let it go. It can't be a point of emphasis. And if it is for the whole season, it's going to be a problem for what? 21 weeks straight? We have some big news for you. Your favorite men's healthcare brand, Roman, is now available at Walmart. Roman's non-prescription products have got you covered with everything from sexual health. Aaron, you're about to get back in the game, by the way. Let's go. Should send him some. We should. Or just send them to Walmart because it's available there. Roman and Walmart. Mm -hmm. Everything from sexual health to everyday health. Your well-being is important and taking care of it should be simple. Now you can add to cart in real life. Roman now available at Walmart. We're in your area. Let's go take care of it. And also, special Roman condoms are new and exclusive to Walmart. You won't find them anywhere else. Designed ultra thin, lubricated for pleasure, and FDA cleared because safe is sexy. Hell yeah. Roman swipes are an easy, discreet way to delay ejaculation and increase sexual stamina. They're fast acting and your partner will enjoy them too because there's no passed along desensitization if you use it as intended. Longer, better sex with Roman swipes. Roman condoms keep you safe. And also, they got testosterone supplements. They got hair supplements. Roman has everything to make you the best you possible. Visit your local Walmart store today and check out Roman's line of men healthcare products. All clinically tested make you best you possible. It's great to be here in the desert handling business, bullshitting about today's sports topics with the boys back in Indianapolis via FaceTime, the Toxic Table, the Hammered Down Boys, Hammered Down, obviously a gambling show that goes live 15 minutes after this show ends every Monday through Friday at Tone Diggs, the COVID Cowboy, YouTube.com forward slash Hammered Down. Are the boys hot or not? Are we still making money, boys? No, no, we're still hot. We're still making money. Coming off a huge preseason weekend, Gumpy. I mean, whether what were you? He was even. He's he thinks an even night is a terrible night. So let's not. I mean, the guy's Whoa. very critical of himself. Okay, he's still the hottest baseball gambler in the world. We got two guests on today to preview the PGA playoffs. We're still hot, Pat. Two guests today. Gumpy getting back to being hot. Gumpy said he got demolished. He's he's actually. Even Gumpy, you can't get like that. Come on, you dude. have Come to on. remember that, yo, like this is you're, what you're accomplishing is unbelievable. It doesn't make any sense what you're doing right now. E- even Stevens, okay, pal. Yeah, we got a big footy weekend coming up. We'll we'll get those numbers back up. 
Do they have an overall weekend just for the entire sport on goals scored? Oh, uh, it was thirty-two and nine games last weekend. EPL. All right, I'm hammering the under this week. <laughs> yeah. Water will find its level. Uh, All the good soccer players are playing though right now. Yeah, Gum. Yeah, uh, Messi hasn't played yet. They introduced him at PSG. It was electric. I don't know if he'll play this weekend. He has been practicing though. They PSG is an absolute wagon. Okay, just quick soccer question before we move on. I know AJ probably has one as well. Um, Bob, he wanted to get out of PSG and go to Real Madrid, and then Real Madrid was going to send Cristiano Ronaldo to PSG. That was a meme I read on the internet. Are Cristiano, Messi, and Neymar all on the same team, and are we just fucking betting them to win everything? So it came out, they squashed that. Mbappe's staying, Ronaldo's staying. But Ronaldo's contract with Juventus is up at the end of the year, so he could just join PSG for free next year. All right. Let us know if anything happens interesting in that world because we're talking to uh, a two-time Super Bowl champion. A a man who has one of the most epic plays in the history of the biggest game in the biggest league where he took a 103-yard pick to the house off of Kurt Warner, and won the Super Bowl. Ladies and gentlemen, making his acting, I don't know if it's a debut because he did, he did have the FanDuel commercial in which he speared a nerd in the front yard, which we were thankful for. Uh, he'll be on Heels, which is coming out on Stars, an incredible, si- I don't know if it's a sitcom drama, uh, that will be about the wrestling world behind the scenes. I can't wait to watch. Also, Fox Sports 1 football analyst, ladies and gentlemen, Debo James Harrison. Yeah! Hey, how are you, boss? Doing good, man. How you doing? I'm great. Now, listen, okay? I saw you doing wrestling training. I saw you uh, working on some suplexes. Obviously, we've all seen you go absolutely ham and bananas in the gym and in your house with your kids and planking forever. Are you? Hey, are you going to be a professional wrestler after this heels thing? It looked the videos. I it looked like you picked this up very easily. No, no, never. I'm not going to be a professional wrestler, even though wrestling the outcome of wrestling is fake because you already know it the actual physical uh punishment that you take is real so hitting that mat getting thrown onto that mat all that shit that's that's <laughs> that's not fake and if you land the wrong way that could be it you know we had one of our uh steven emil he actually did a, a compression fracture of his spine because he landed the wrong way so he was out for about four or six weeks so let's talk about that steven amell is the lead i believe how are you are you a reoccurring character? Are you a part of the main thing? How much are we going to see of James Harrison in heels? You'll see me in every, every episode. I'm going to see That's awesome. Did you know you are going to be an actor? Is this something you wanted to do? Did they approach you? How'd this happen? I started after I uh, retired, and I wanted to get into something that was challenging because, you know, I got a little bit of stage fright. You know, I, I was I was scared to talk in front of cameras. And, you know, I did very little talking when I played probably from about 2005 until about eight or nine. And uh, it was just another challenge, you know, it gave me the opportunity to go out there, conquer a fear and, um, you know, give me something that, you know, that was that was a challenge. So I went and did it, uh, you know, got an acting coach, all that. And I guess from what I understand, I got lucky. You know, a lot of guys go 10, 12 years before they actually get a season, uh, you know, regular gig. So I did mine in about nine months. <laughs> uh, Pete Siegel and uh, Michael Malley and, you know, did my read for them. 
and uh, you know they liked what they heard, and uh, they actually gave me a call. So I'm thinking they calling me to give me the, the you know the soft letdown. They're like, hey, you know we liked what you did, and da 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 da. And Mike's like, well, let me call you know Pete, put Pete on the line. I'm like, listen, I'm thinking in my head, if y'all go tell me I ain't get this shit, just say it now. You don't need to do it together and get and do it nice, you know. So he so so Pete gets on the phone and he's like, you know the uh, the scene from uh, Jerry Maguire. He's like, where he's telling him this is your future calling. He said, this is your future calling. You got the part. You got a future in this business. So, you know that yeah, that was my that was my go to. So, you know I was lucky, uh, you know to to get that opportunity. Extremely blessed, of course, you know, and um, we're where we're at right now. And hopefully. Uh, you know, the ratings are good right now. I think it's uh, 95 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 93 on the... Uh, okay. Well, we're doing pretty good. Hey, well, yeah, you may have been lucky to, to get the audition, but it was up to you to actually get the job. Like, they're not just handing those out. There's plenty of other people that want it, so I'm sure you did great. But when you got there and you did, like, the day-to-day and being, like, you're a legit actor, was it what you expected? Is it something that you absolutely want to continue to do? Oh, yes. I, I mean, something I definitely absolutely want to continue to do and, and try and get better at and excel at. And, and hopefully, you know, I'm trying to step into where the, where the rock will have to step down at it. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, the biggest thing for me, uh, I don't want to say it was easier than what I thought, but remember the lines was easier than what I thought, because you don't just read something one time. Like you go in there and if you do a scene, you done did that scene five, six, seven times before they actually get a cut that they may splice together. That is the best of, you know, all of them and the different angles. So, you know, when you're doing a uh, a scene and they've got like two, three cameras or two, three people in there and they got a scene where it's looking at you, then it's looking at you, then it's looking at you. Those are all different reads and you'll do those over three, four times. It's a scene in this actual uh, drama that we film for 12, 14 hours, and it may be a minute, minute, 15 seconds of the whole show. Yeah. because James, have, I wouldn't be able to do that. I, that's a talent in it's, of itself, it's a, by the way. Hurry up and wait mentality. So when they say, hey, be here at 9, yeah, be there at 9, but you might not shoot till 12 or 1. <laughs> that's the thing hey. that frustrating for me like, you know when they tell you to be there at nine in the game football time on, on, on the meeting you better be there at like 8 45 so that was I, I had it was a little getting used to that and i had to do some talking with like the the people that were in control of that to get them to understand like if we're going to be late and we're going to run back like tell me because i'm sitting here in full outfit and, like, you know, I got Alan Maldonado, you know, who I became close with because we ended up working out together. And our characters are two who uh, work with each other a lot in this uh, in this drama. So he's like, dude, do not get dressed. Don't do nothing until they knock on your trailer and say, hey, we want you to head out to to to, uh, to the set. He said, don't do nothing until then. I'm like, so I'm just supposed to sit in here. He's like, yes. He's like, the one day, listen, I swear, I reported at, I believe it was 9 o'clock in the morning. They let me go home at about 8 o'clock that evening. I didn't even go on set. Oh, <laughs> oh I got a nice little trailer. You know, I got a, I got a little bed, you know, TV, microwave, refrigerator. You know, I got the whole setup, shower, all that. So, you know, it, 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 wasn't, uh, it wasn't too bad. But the biggest thing is trying to fit your, 
your lines and your emotions, you know, together. And that that's the hardest thing is, is actually the acting part of it and getting into the emotional scene set and, and mindset of what that, you know, requires in that specific uh, scene. There's such an interesting, and thank you for sharing that, by the way, because I think AJ and I, who have potentially gotten a chance to see the way some of these commercial shoots happen, it's like, hey, that there's a lot of different ways to go about business, I'm wondering, because much like you, James, I think anybody in a football world, your meeting time is literally your life, okay? So yeah. it's like we got meeting at this time, you got treatment at this time, you got practice at this time, you're off at this time, rehab's this time, like it's all there. And when you're sitting there for – 11 hours and like you know we'll get to that thing we're supposed to do earlier tomorrow actually it's like all right i don't know how you guys do it but i appreciate it i can't wait to see the entire season of heels let's talk a little football james congrats on the success post football obviously you being a monster on the internet is also worth a watch every single day thank you for inspiring people to lift more weights than most superhumans can let's talk <laughs> football though this uh this taunting thing all right i've been I've been furious about this, okay, because a point of emphasis means that they want to change the way the game is for the long haul. You were on the receiving end of a point of emphasis uh, for the season one year, and it has changed over the years, and you were at a different stage of football, as was AJ and everybody else, and they tried to change that thing quickly. What are your thoughts on the rules evolving and changing in the NFL? And this is a loaded question. I assume you're against it because it cost you a couple million dollars whenever they decided to change the rule out of nowhere. But how do you feel about it overall, James? I'm not against anything that's for the betterment of the game. And and even when they started attacking, you know, what, what I was doing, I understand – why you did it because they were facing a lot of issues with lawsuits and everything else. So they were trying to get the, you know, get the game to, to be, to be safer, but you can't take a game that is violent played at a thousand miles an hour and make it 100% safe. You can't. And a lot of these penalties where they're doing these targeting and all that other stuff is absolute bullshit. You cannot get your head out of the way. And if you put your head out of the way to tackle somebody, you're going to tear up your rotator cuff. You're going to knock out your AC. You're going to knock out your AC joint or break the damn collarbone. You don't tackle anybody like this. It doesn't happen like that. You have to get your head across the bow. Wow. Because it's harder for him to go through this than it is for him to go through a simple arm tackle. And like right now, I teach my kids, see what you hit, face up, take that right down. Put it right there on his chin. And, <laughs> like, I'm not telling you to duck your head and do this. Rydell sits right here. Ain't that right? Huh? Rydell yeah, sits right Hey, I'm coaching yeah. right now, too, my first year. <laughs> it's a glancing blow here. Head off, wrap up. And, like I said, I understand them trying to make the game safer, but the taunting thing is simple. If you want to go, as soon as you get up, to do something, just turn around. Don't face the dude that you just knocked over, ran over. It's easy. Instead of, ah, ah, that's it. (laughs) Like, you just got fined because you wanted to give him two seconds of looking at him. No, don't give him that. You just gave 15 yards back now. Hey, it makes sense to me. To get away from. Turn to your sideline. Turn to your teammates. Look at them. Think of him. Look at them. <laughs> it's like acting. It's some acting trick you probably picked up with right. the acting coach, it sounds like. Hey, when you went to New England, I know you weren't there long, but you were there for – you went to the Super Bowl with them. Was it what you expected? I, I've always wondered what it would be like to be in that building and play for Belichick. It, um, you know, A is A, B is B, and it's the same thing from the top to the bottom. 
And, you know, when I first got there, obviously the first person I met was Tom, and, you know, he just introduced himself as if I didn't know who the hell he was. Like, <laughs> but he does that with everybody. And, and you know, he's just a genuinely good person, you know, and I wanted to hate him when I got there. So I'm like, you know, this is, you know, he feeding, he feeding me some BS, you know, he's just being a good guy in front of me. So I'm sitting back watching him for like a week or two. And finally I had to tell him, I'm like, dude, I wanted to come here and hate you. He's sitting up there getting taken. I wanted to hate you. I'm like, but I sat back and watched you. Like he's a, that's why everybody like you, man. He's a good dude from the practice squad guy that comes in the first day. He's like, Hey, how you doing? I'm Tom Brady. Like they don't know who the hell he is. Like that's just him. That's his personality. He's, he's just a good dude. And when you get there, it is if you don't like being told what to do and having to conform to what it is that they want you to do, then you won't like planning because it is regimented. I don't have a problem with regimen. It's not an issue for me. I, I enjoyed my time there. I, I, you know, I, I can't say anything negative about the experience there. I mean, when okay. it came to meetings, like you better be at meetings on time. I don't even know what happened if you late to meetings. Like I turned around and I'm sitting in my locker. And my locker was like right next to the door. And I catch a glimpse of somebody just running past. And as I look back over this shoulder, I see it's Tom. And I'm like, he running to the meeting. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm late. So, you know, if I see him, yeah, if I see him running, I had to go. But it was still like three, four minutes left. But that's just how it is there. You know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's regimented. And um, I, like I said, I had no problem with it. They say no. Diehard, diehard Steelers fan Diggs has a question for you. I'm happy to hear that, by the way, because I think that is like the um, – I think a lot of people say that about the Patriots dynasty. It's like, hey, it was regimented. This is how it was. But everybody knew that was how it was whenever you got up there. I'm happy to hear that you had a similar experience. Diggs is a diehard Steelers fan. I can't wait to hear what he has to ask. James, thank you for all you did for the organization, first and foremost. Secondly, there were so many like big personalities that have gone on to do media from that locker room. Ryan Clark, Ike Taylor, Willie Colon. Uh, who else? Ramon Foster. Hines has done some stuff. But it seemed like when you guys were on the team and in the locker room and on the field, like those personalities kind of went away and you, you put that to the side. What was that locker room like with all those personalities? But then, like, was it Tomlin? Was it Cower? Like, that, those kind of went away when you got on the field. We were a team, first and foremost. It was no individuals. I think this this modern era of, uh, of social media and everybody wanting followers and likes and, and, and all this other stuff has really torn apart that fabric. We didn't have all of that like when we first got in. We did. We barely had Internet and, and, and you know, pictures and all that. So when we did things, we did things together. It was times where you would spend more time with your teammates than you actually did with your family. So we'd go out and it wasn't, oh, I need my area. This guy needs this area. It was no. We need something for 25 people. We got 25 coming and everybody going to hang together, you know, and that was just like how it was. That's just how when I got there, you know, Joy, Joy, Joy Porter. That's just how it was. Hey, I was a, I was a practice squad dude. They're like, yo, where you at? We out here. We here. We're there. Like, come on. And I was just practice squad. I didn't even play in, in you know, in regular season games or anything like that. So that's just how they ran the team. That's just how the team was was made and molded. And. You know, I think as those players started to either retire or, or were released, then you started getting that new age generation, and, you know, it's where it's at now. What year did you go into the league, James? Oh, two. 
Okay, so you were seven years ahead of me. 09 is when I got into the league or whatever, and AJ's in between us, I believe. Oh, what were you, AJ, 06? Yeah, 06. Okay, so in that area, I caught like the tail end, I think, of that generation, though. Like my first four or five years, three, four or five years, it really was that old school mentality. It was Peyton's team. It was when everybody, like, Everybody was invited everywhere. That whole team gone because there, there was nothing else to do, by the way. There was shit else to do, really. So it felt like, hey, this is what we should do. This is what we do. By the end of my career, I played eight years. By the end of my career, locker room was very different. I was a big locker room, bounce around guy. Locker room was a vastly different place just in my eight years, let alone over 20. And I think it's only going to continue to change as technology does, which is going to change competition as a whole, I think, James, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, like I said, the evolution of even, you know, just I don't want to say softer, but the changing of the game and and how things are dealt with and and, and how people, you know, handle uh, adversity. You know, you've got now where you got, you know, younger guys that are coming in and and you, you know, you want to get on them and, 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 you know, try and toughen them up. And it's like, no, 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 don't don't do that. I don't know if he, you know, I don't know if his, his personality can handle, you know, tough love. You know what I'm saying? So. It's just the the whole pussification of, of just. The- <laughs> <laughs> I love it. By the way, that is the hey. If James Harrison Debo doesn't come on here and question some things being soft, I mean, did we really even have a fucking conversation with James Harrison? That's, that's a real thing. Hey, hey, it's a very real thing, and I, I don't want to say like getting soft because I think it's it is though because everybody's kind of learning about everybody what pisses people off and what does it. But I think that. Never really having to face adversity thing, which has been happening. And I think you had a great take. I think one of your kids got like a fifth place trophy or something like that. And you had an entire situation. But the in college, if there's any adversity, you can just transfer out of there. You can just go to another place. You can go somewhere else. And there's a lot of guys that are about to get cut for the first time here in the NFL where it's like, hey, this is a business now. And there, you had to deal with adversity. You say you're on practice squad. There's been ups. There's been downs of your thing. How do you think we keep that type of grit in the game and in society whenever there's so many different options? I think that's going to be a tough thing. The yeah. battling through adversity is going to be something. I don't think you, you can keep that type of grit. You can't get that type of grit because nobody has to go through anything anymore. Um, uh, you know, a lot of things are being handed to people. And, you know, uh, it's, it's not like you're, you're, you're truly working for everything that, that, you, that you had to get. And... I could, I could bring that to, like, even my kids. My kids it would never know what it was like. They can never be like me. They're never going to have that drive and that because they're living in a different – They, I put them in a different situation. I'm happy that I could do that. But my parents weren't able to put me in that situation. You know, I had been working since I was 11 years old, like a real, like, scrubbing, cleaning floors, like, doing all of that shit. Since I would leave junior high and go work until 5, 6 o'clock, cleaning offices and then my dad picked me up because it would be at the same place and I'd go home you know so I've been a worker a grinder since I was 11 12 years old and that's not something that you're going to have into today's kids I just it's just not it's just not there everybody want to go you know I'm, I could go TikTok and and and, and Twitter or, or Instagram and get my followers up and They'll get me, you know, likes and I'll get some money from that. And it's just you're not going to have that physical grind, you know, manual work. Yeah, James, I have I have four young kids myself and I, I wonder the same thing. Like, what can we do? Like, what can people do to have kids to at least create some adversity for them that they can learn to fight through it? I don't want to create any adversity. 
for my kids, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Because I, 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 I don't want them thinking that I'm against them or trying to make anything harder for them. But I want them to understand that in life, you will have to earn everything that you get. Nothing will be given to you. And I'm not going to be the person that's going to teach you that it's going to be given to you. So I'm not going to give you nothing. I'm not going to let anybody else give you something that you didn't earn. That's all I can do. Watching you parent, by the way, on uh, social media, and obviously we only get glimpses, is really cool, man. I appreciate you so much. I hope you enjoy the hell. Oh, wait, Ty. Sorry, Ty. Go ahead, Ty. Yeah, James, I was just curious. With seeing, like, what you've uh, been doing, like, do you do you miss playing football and, like, hitting guys at all? Or, like, now that you're kind of getting into acting a little bit, like, has it made it easier? Is it the same thing where, you know, we talk to a lot of people and it's like you miss the locker room, you miss the camaraderie. Do you miss actually, like, hitting guys at all? Listen, I have no desire to physically dominate, hit, be hit, anything <laughs> about football. This acting wrestling is great why because the guy is working with me to do the things that i'm trying to do to him and we're trying to do that as safe as possible make it look as painful as possible with as least pain as we can give each other so i have no desire to have to go through the day-to-day grinding acupuncture dry needled chiropractic i mean you're talking about anywhere from three to four hundred thousand dollars a year i would spend on my body in care i don't have to do that anymore because i'm not tearing my body up and then having you know my body workers put me back together so i could just do the same damn thing again the next week hey i appreciate that um and i appreciate everything you did for the sport man you were awesome to watch for a very long time i can't wait to see you in heels congrats it not like wearing it you get it like in the, that you know that's on me i'm excited so, to so yeah. heels is starts come on Every Sunday at nine o'clock, and you don't miss the first show. So get your fat ass over there and watch. <laughs> All right, I'll run. I'll run over there. I'll do some push-ups as well. Yeah, I'll try my best, ladies and gentlemen. James Harrison, thank you, man. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who had rather large news dropped about him earlier today. Ladies and gentlemen, a member of the FanDuel family, number two overall in the FedEx standings as we go in to playoffs happening in the biggest time to be a golfer and golf fan. He's right around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. Legend, American, Jordan Spears. What's up, man? Nothing. How are y'all doing? Hey, just hanging out. Congrats on the FanDuel uh, relationship. What do you got cooking over there? What do you got going on? We're doing a. We did a little um, shooting. Uh, yeah, we're out at Hamilton Farms and just kind of starting out the relationship, doing some stuff just to get started, and should be kind of fun. Should be the. I think the commercial will be pretty cool when it gets going too. Nice. Did you have to do some acting in there? Do you have any? Uh, Do you do anything sweet, or is it just golfing? Yeah, no. It's yeah. There was some acting. It's more. It's more kind of like some yeah, some like cockiness, cockiness acting, like, like um, looking at the camera while you putt, that kind of stuff. Not like normal swings. Just. I think they're going to try and get creative with it. Okay, so let's talk about that because I think you were the one to introduce this to my life. And I might be wrong thinking here, but whenever Jordan Spieth came and took over the world, all right, with his math teacher guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no! 
just spilled something over here, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> you, I think you were the guy who looked at the hole inside like five feet or something like that whenever you, you didn't even look at the ball. Was that you? Yeah, yeah, that was me. You do that? Well, I try. And I, fucking, <laughs> I can never do it, Jordan. I don't know how, I don't know how, you, do you still do that? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, it just kind of depends. It's kind of a feeler for me. Uh, I did it, I did it because it, if I, I normally hit it where I was looking. So if I looked at the front edge of the hole in the center of the hole, or if it was like a right edge putt, I'd, I normally, it took kind of the mechanics out of it. So it was something for me that works, works under pressure sometimes. How often do you change your swing or mindset going in? For instance, I'll, I'll just give you my thing. Whenever I was doing my best punting in the NFL, uh, which is similar to golf, you have to do it so much more often, and it's such a smaller, you know, it's like this. You, I don't know how you guys make contact on that regular of a basis, but every game I was almost – like, there was a new thing I was uh, right before the game thinking about. Like, okay, I'm going to hold on to it a little bit longer here. I'm going to turn it this way. Swing needs to go straight through. I was always thinking about my swing and what I was doing. And this is when I think everybody was looking up at me at this point, too. And I was still trying to continue to change it. I never rested on anything. Have you had to change your swing or your mindset or anything like that through this career? Have you stuck with the same one and it's just kind of come and gone at different uh, times of your career? Yeah, I, I think... Um, what you you kind of swing your swing and you try and get you try and get precise and get outwardly focused like you would you could probably relate if you're if you're kind of in the zone you're more kind of just looking at where you want that ball to land oh yeah how you want it to spin there you kind of visualize how it's coming off your foot for us if we could be outwardly focused it's great but sometimes you know things get off and you got to do some corrections um i kind of went into a couple years where i got into some bad habits so i almost try to go back um look back at what i did well why i did it well and and then improve on that all right you know where was i kind of making mistakes there how how can i think about it to where over the next 15 20 years i can just do minor adjustments staying outwardly focused um kind of practicing like i'm playing versus focusing on mechanics but still you know still trying to dial those in as best you can so yeah i mean it's um it's interesting to hear you say, like, hold on to it just a little bit longer. It kind of gets you set a little better or whatever. It's it. Um, it is similar, right? Because both of them can be kind of um, mechanical but also mental things to do just as, as any kicker. But um, it's it's kind of that kind of teeter-totter game you play with mechanics to try and really mostly just stay focused on visualizing that shot or that punt where you want it to land. And then the good news for us is um, – if we don't hit a good one, we don't have to worry about having to go hit somebody afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was something you had to worry about if if, they, if it was returnable. Yeah, I mean, you guys got a much different world to have to deal with if you don't hit one well. You got to go deal with old Mr. Tree uh, <laughs> or uh, some water or anything like that that you have in your world. Uh, Jordan, obviously everybody saw you come into superstardom. We were so pumped, you know. Hey, we got the guy. You were the youngest champion, I think, at a, a, a multitude of places. Uh, you had massive success. You were going to be uh, like the guy. Now you're back here. Number two FedEx standings going into playoff weekend. Got the Ryder Cup coming. How does it feel to be back at, like, your best game? And was there moments where you hated golf? Was there ever a moment where you hated golf and you were like, why is this happening? Why? Why? Wh I am a great golfer. We all know I'm a great golfer. What the fuck is going on? Was there ever those moments? And how does it feel to be, you know, on the other side of that? That's not an easy battle. Congrats on getting through it. Yeah, I think I think it was kind of word for word how you just said it. Sometimes um, it was. I mean, I was 
there were definitely times where I was like, what is happening right now? Um, but then you got to get to the bottom of what exactly it was. And, uh, I feel good. Yeah. I feel really good right now. I feel in a good place. Um, I feel like I'm improving. I, but the, the, the fun part about it is I actually feel like I'm not, I'm probably like, you know, 50 to 75% back to where I want to be. So I actually feel oh. like there's a lot of upside also, we're to, betting to, on this get guy. to the freedom yeah. and comfort level through, uh, my swing, my stroke. Um, I've had, you know, some, some, I've had a good year this year, but it was one where I look back and I'm like, man, I really should have won three, four, five times in the positions I was in. So how do I make that to where that's the case next year? How do we tighten things up a bit more? So I'm actually in that, I'm not in the man, I'm really content phase. I feel good, but I feel like there's quite a bit of room for improvement, which I think is probably the best place to feel, you know? Yeah, you were fiery on the course. I think that's why I loved you so much because all the golfers for so long, and I think Tiger changed a little bit, but I like when you have an obvious competitive athlete out there, like somebody who wants to win. Like I understand top 10 is great, top five, but whenever you get mad and pissed off about, like I love it. I absolutely love it because that's my exact reactions. You just can't really hear me because I'm not mic'd up and there's 70,000 people around. But if I don't do my job well, after all the work that I put in, I'm pissed. Like, I am actually furious. Like, hey, come on, on myself there. Have you had to learn to be nicer to yourself in rounds? Have people talked to you about, hey, you, you can't be as mad as you are? Or is it just kind of you evolving as a human? I think I'm kind of lucky in that regard where actually sometimes the more pissed off i get i actually bounce back a little bit quicker yeah because you don't want to um, feel that way again that's how i am I'm like oh yeah. i'm gonna get mad like, I, may still yeah. be, be, I may still be walking down the next hole being like man what the fuck was that shot yeah. <laughs> and then michael will be like dude you gotta let it go i'm like dude i promise it's not going into this next shot i'm just pissed off that i lost left that stroke out there now i'm gonna go get it back you know that kind of thing so some guys are like that some guys it's better to just throw it all out but um I kind of like the um, – it's just always been good for me. The only problem is, you know, now that there's a microphone next to you everywhere you are, you, well, we get fined easily if we really say what we want to say. So <laughs> we got to kind of dial it back a little bit um, sure. as much as you probably would rather hear the, yeah. um, you yes. know, the, un, the unedited version. Uh, it gets pretty bad after an entire season of saying what you want to say. <laughs> hey, Jordan, grab one of those – you know, whatever. The, what are those things called? Boom, boom mic. Grab one of those boom mics and be like, hey, that was a bad fucking shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I know it. You know it. Get out of my face, dude. That is because yeah. you guys, it is very intimate with the game, the way the game is covered. I mean, we're starting and I think they're putting more mics in there, which is good because as a fan getting to learn about how and why you and Michael are having the conversation you're having. Oh, it's this far. It's that far. Oh, we're hitting it this well. We're not. That relationship has been awesome for us to watch. And I think the mics are a massive part of that. So it's good for golf, obviously terrible for your pocketbook if you have any sense of competitive edge at all. But we appreciate yeah. it. You and your caddy, I just I alluded to it earlier there, and I didn't know if it was right or not because it is. we're recording this on Monday. It's an early morning. Just got out of a bachelor party weekend with my brother. But he was your math teacher. He's, he was your teacher. He was your math teacher. Is that how that whole play? He wasn't mine. He, he just taught, he taught sixth grade math up in Seattle, and oh. I met him through Justin Thomas, a friend of mine, and he, he just jumped on board because I didn't have any status. I told him I'd pay his teacher's salary and his expenses the first year if he wanted to quit teaching, 
and he came on the bag. So now I wish I still paid his teacher salary. <laughs> How there? See now the relationship with the caddy has been something that has obviously come into conversation here late but is that something that happens not only on the course is he at practice with you as well he has to kind of know everything you're doing doesn't he or is it yeah i think you know it it changes some guys use their caddy for swing stuff they get involved with their coaches and all that michael's not that way he's more um he's more of a situational guy he reads reads kind of he's really calm under pressure um you know, he's not someone where I'm like, hey, man, you know, where's that position on that swing look on the range? He's there, you know, Monday through Sunday of a tournament week. But on off weeks, he lives back in Seattle. So he's home with his family. And then we get in and, and he's just really good at putting that time in, getting all the, you know, the pin locations where you can and can't miss stuff that, um, you know, I try and get down during practice rounds. But, you know, we're trying to um, we're, we're trying to get our game going. And he's he's got all that other information. Jordan, can you do this? <laughs> Go through your legs. Ah! <laughs> Not my backswing. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? I mean, that's so rude. Well, you, I was about to. You didn't get to see it. I'll do it next time. Go ahead, Ty. Jordan, with it being a Ryder Cup year, obviously you have to like stay dialed in with the playoffs coming up and everything, but is that something that you're kind of thinking about in like the back of your head? Because obviously like we've watched it the last USA! couple of years. Yeah, there's nothing USA! better. USA! Yeah. USA! That's huge. The uh, to be honest, you know, I've got the three playoff events. We got a couple weeks off in the Ryder Cup. I'd rather play better at the Ryder Cup than in the Tour Championship. Like, yeah, it's, it's oh, hey, let's go, Jordan. Bigger it's, than yourself. It's, it's the best, man. I mean, we never get team sports, so to be able to have team sports, and then the idea that you could have that, you know, when you win a championship in team sports, you get your parade, right? Well, for us. That's the Sunday afternoon after winning a Ryder Cup on U.S. soil, where everyone sticks around and you get to, you get to kind of party with everybody. That's that's our parade. That's that's what we look forward to, um, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. But our teams, our team this year looks stacked. Um, we've we've we looked that way in the last one in Paris, and we didn't win. Um, I think we'll kind of go on go in with an underdog mentality, even though we have such massive talent on the U.S. side. I think we kind of need to go in with that kind of fire in our ass and um you know go in firing i mean early early and often <laughs> yeah hey yeah, by the way all about it, good it, early it, and often fire. I mean, it's there's no there's no breaks coming up in these next six weeks we look at the Ryder cup as a major championship in our mind and and try and peak for it you got it go ahead Diggs. hey jordan i mean i think personally a good friend of yours uncle phil mickelson should potentially be a captain's pick for that Ryder cup he's got a bunch of experience uh, you could take his money during the practice round. And say, what do you think about you know Phil maybe being a captain's pick for that? Well, you know he won the PGA Championship. The PGA of America runs the Ryder Cup. It's um, he obviously uh, he won one of the four biggest tournaments of the year. So I think it's going to be. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to make these decisions because of how stacked the team is. He's a little bit further down on the list. I know that, but uh, I'm not jealous of Steve Stricker and the assistants. I know they'll lean on us quite a bit. Um, 
but I mean, I'm going to have to make that team myself prior to to be, being able to have much impact oh, in that. But uh, he's, so you're saying that Phil's, the, Phil, Phil's, Phil's the man. Uh, <laughs> hey, I still got to get on the team. <laughs> All right, so let's yeah. not start handing out spots anywhere else. Uh, last question here from the boys. Can't thank you enough for joining us, Jordan. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Jordan. Uh, one of the things that, around golf right now that I love and I think everyone does is the match. Have you reached out yet to Steph Curry to play maybe the next one? Get uh, Bryson and Rogers try and go for their crown or no? I we haven't yet, but I'm op- certainly open to it. Uh, that Let's, last one looked amazing. Where was it? Big Sky, Montana. Yeah. You get guys yeah. just you know at eight thousand feet just sending balls up in the air. They never come out of the sky. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I also you know it'd be kind of fun to actually go out and and talk shit and announce it, like be the on course guy too. If I didn't, you know, that oh. might even be more fun than playing in it. Um, but I guess Pat would probably be better at doing that. No, 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 no. They, they won't have me there, Jordan. No, they will not. That is, I would be excited to see you out there, though. Uh, when you see, the, is there any courses that, like, have you played that course? I just assume you're. Uh, I went there in the summertime with my dad and brother. We actually went fly fishing up there, but I never, I didn't play any golf. Um, but we we went on a little fishing trip like a few years ago. But it, yeah, it looked amazing. What are you just super outdoors guy? You, you fly fish? I, no, I this I hadn't gone on a fishing trip before or since. But uh, <laughs> uh, hey, big Texas guy, it look. Just to be the only time I was in that area. Oh, that's awesome! I thought you were going to be the fly fishing golfer, and instead it was like, yeah, I just heard it was fun. Turns out, lot of, that's not a lot hey, of a lot of similarities. Yeah, a lot of similarities in the motion. No, I, I have no idea. I, got, I, I spent more time untangling my line than I did catching the line. That's what I was saying, yeah, because I think there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of shit that happens with that. Uh, can't thank you. Had a beer and watch them fish. <laughs> yeah, sit in the water, yeah, watch them. Thanks for joining yeah. us. Congrats on the FanDuel deal. Excited you're representing the number one sports book in America. Your agent uh, told somebody to tell us, I don't think he even told you, uh, not to ask you about Bryson and Brooks. So with that said, last question here. Just if you could give us <laughs> a full breakdown on uh, Afghanistan. That would be great. If you could break down Afghanistan, see it's you know, uh, that would be fantastic. We're talking a little. Just co- say we got to get ahead of. We're gonna have to get ahead of it in that Ryder Cup team room, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Speed. Thank you, man. Good luck. Good luck, boss. Hey, so sorry to interrupt this conversation. That's cooking right now. Yes, it is cooking. Uh, everyone always talks about how important it is to get a good night's rest, don't they? Mm-hmm. Hey, you need a good, good night's sleep. I didn't get a great night's sleep last night. And it, by the way, this morning we could tell, but then the energy of the day kind of mm-hmm. got after it. But people for your entire life have been saying, hey, make sure you sleep one Hey, get a good night's sleep. Need to get a good night's sleep. Make sure you get a good night's sleep tonight. But it's not always as easy as people just saying, get a good night's sleep, especially if you're like me, where your mind is always thinking, mind is always going. Maybe you're thinking about tomorrow. Maybe for whatever reason, you just can't fall asleep. That happens to a lot of us. And CBDMD has come through with something called CBDPM that puts you out like a light. Like a light. Slip through the flight. That's why the folks at CBDPM created CBD. Our CBDMD created CBDPM to help you get the rest you deserve and feel your best every morning. CBDPM blends 500 milligrams of superior CBD with sleep-promoting ingredients like melatonin, what? valerian root, what? and chamomile to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. So whether you're up late with the kids, pets, or existential dread, you can turn to CBDPM and get the rest you need to handle anything that comes your way. I use it. 
Nick is a big time proponent of it. Uh, I believe there's a couple others in the office that use it on a nightly basis. Some guys get into it whenever they need to reset their sleep cycle. But I've been very thankful for CBDMD, CBDPM. Uh, it's something I, I legitimately use. I think you will enjoy it as well if you're not a great sleeper. But also CBDMD has a bunch of other products, whether it's uh, for soreness, mm-hmm. uh, for anything else. I mean, they legitimately got a bunch of CBD, superior CBD products. And right now you can get 25% off your next order. It's almost a, a quarter there, dude. Damn near. When you go to CBDMD.com, CBDMD.com, and you use promo code McAfee, M-C-A-F-E-E, you'll get 25% off your purchase of high-quality CBD oil products from CBDMD. Big thanks to CBDMD for being a hell of a partner with this show and also for creating products that directly affect my life, like the sleep one, because if not, I'm up all goddamn night. Back to the show. <laughs> Joining us from his drug lord-like house in Ohio, college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Hawk. What's up, man? How's it going? A.J., how are you? It's a dry heat out here, they say. 110, smack you in the mouth. Yeah, so what are you, after this show today, are you going to go on a run or something outside? Uh, I might do some push-ups. What? Maybe a pull-ups. What? what? Maybe swim in a pool. Maybe, uh, but probably not. If I had to guess, it is so hot out there. I'll probably just stare at these. Uh, you ever hear of the superstitious mountains, AJ? Superstitious mountains? I don't think I have. Oh, uh, they're near the Camelback. Okay, and everybody was told that there was gold in there, and then they went in there and guess what? Everyone no gold. All they did was die. All right, in the middle of the mountain. So it was superstition to go in there, you die or whatever. And Bill Stewart told me that story when our West Virginia team was out in this beautiful part of the country for the Fiesta Bowl. Phoenix is awesome. The desert is awesome, AJ. I, I, I would have never guessed this, and I don't think a lot of people probably say this publicly enough if you're not from it. The desert is really – this is a beautiful part of the country out here. Oh, it's awesome. And anyone that likes golf, I know there's tons of great golf courses out in that area. Phoenix, Scottsdale. I've been out there. Like I said, I've played in the festival three times out of my four years. So I, I've been uh, – we've got to see a good chunk of it. Just different, though. Not a whole lot of grass out there. Yeah, not a whole lot of grass. You'll see some green. You're like, well, they must have real cash because they're buying somebody's water, right? <laughs> I mean, to do that whole thing. Oh, yeah. Somebody's got to do it. But it's great out here. they got good laws out here, too, AJ, if you're wondering. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was, oh, actually, I, I was not aware of that. So, is that yeah. part of part of the reason you're there early? Didn't hurt. I mean, it's not the reason. There's some business too out here. You know, there's some things going on potentially, and then also SmackDowns out here on Friday. So, it seemed like the perfect time to go out here, do this show. The boys are connected back in Indy. We're all happy to see you, AJ. Got a chance to chat with Jordan Spieth in the first hour. Welcome him to the FanDuel fan uh, family. That was fantastic. Did you hear him? He seemed like a normal human, AJ. He seemed like one of us, like a guy like that we could get along with, even though he's in that golf world. Yeah, well, I think golfers, just because of how they dress, just makes them look old. And we think they're like these old stooges because they're wearing collared shirts, a hat, and pants. So it's cool to see them when you actually get to hear them. They're like, oh, this is a 20-some-year-old dude. He's just a kid who likes to hang out. He's just one of the best golfers on the planet. I'll tell you what, while watching him on TV, you know, I saw the way he was dressing. I was like, this guy fucking stinks. <laughs> what a, a bum, what a nerd, what a loser, what an old-ass man. How old are you, pal? The uh, That's a hilarious thought because that is real. That kind of paints a picture of, like, the yuppie, kind of uptight, 
unrelatable person. Mm-hmm. And then Spieth, hey, he dropped a fuck. I don't know how PGA is going to feel about that. He said fuck on this show today. I was a big fan of that. You think PGA is going to find him for that? They might. He said he gets fined if he says anything like on the course that's too bad. They do get fined. So that's he, crazy. He's not on it. In play, like I know they, it, it is. Believe me, for the fans, it's awesome that they have mics with them the whole time, especially the studs. Like they don't ever have a private combo really with their caddy. But you're telling me after a bad shot, if a guy cusses, they find him for that. This is this goes back to what I talked about earlier. You should want emotion in your sport. You should want the person participating at the highest level in your sport, the thing representing you. You should want them to be excited. You should want them to have emotion. You should also want the type of players that have no emotion. Hey, robots are awesome too. Like that's a cool thing to watch. I have no idea how they act the way they do or why they do, but I like to watch it. But I don't think we should be harnessing emotion. And I think that's why I'm so mad about this. And that's PJ probably will potentially. They find him for swearing and have the emotion. You got to do it in an adult way because we're hey, being FCC. Have you seen the rule though, Pat? I don't. Some of the boys may know it better, but they they instituted some rule where you get there's like a point system based on how popular you are or things that you do to like bring attention to the game. What is that? Move the needle. So it's a it, it's a ratings bonus. Yeah, it's like a needle bonus. So. I think Jordan's dad was actually a part of creating this. Ty, please explain. Ty read all about it. Ty got accepted into Harvard. So this is why Ty is uh, such a weapon for us, because he can read this shit and retain it. What happened with that needle-moving rating bonus thing they had going, and how was Jordan tied to that? Yeah, so it's uh, it comprises like three different metrics that they use to track like social media engagement and, and all this different stuff. And uh, Jordan's dad, I believe, like is one of the guys who created the algorithm for how they they view a couple of the metrics. Is his dad a mathematist? Uh, I don't know. I don't yep. think so. That's what you call it? What's that, What's that, AJ? That's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, what are you, an Englishman, dude? <laughs> oh, we get it, bro. All right, hook, line, and sinker, by the way. Shout out me in the desert. Still got it. Maybe on Planet 10. But <laughs> let's um, let's move along with John Mora, okay? <laughs> John Mora. Thank you, Ty, by the way. You got love it. Love you, Ty. Hey, love you, Pat. Hey, John Mora, okay, he came out and said, you know, everybody's sick and tired of the talk. I thought it said talking. I got people tweeting me now saying that he said he's sick and tired of the taunting, but it just sounded like talking. Whatever the case is, I can understand if they don't want egregious shit happening, but John Mora has never competed. Ah, I don't want to say that. That sounds very rude. I don't know if John Mora has ever competed. He might be in one of those polo games on the ponies out there. You know, he's probably had some sort of competition, maybe, uh, whatever drinking get i understand that he has competed and whatever he was handed a team but like i get it okay i think him delivering the statement from the competition committee about having emotion whenever you potentially change the entire trajectory of your family tree like i just think that was and now maybe he's just the first person that spoke and got to talk about it but this point of emphasis thing is fucking ridiculous it is so stupid they know it we know it putting a point of emphasis on it means they want to spotlight it and change the course of the way the league's going to go and the game's going to go i think this should have been handled behind the scenes send a memo to the coaches put all the coaches on a zoom and say hey tell your guys 
that we want them to know, like, let's celebrate, but let's not do the shits. We can't do the shits anymore and just handle that internally as opposed to a ref that might. I just don't think this is good. I don't think it's good, AJ. I don't think the refs want to call this either because it could take away some huge plays. It could change the course of a game. But I, am I, like, mistaken? Am I watching the games wrong to where I don't think we have, like, a giant taunting issue in the NFL? Like, John Mara telling us, like, everything goes online. Everything will trend during the NFL season. I've never seen people just up in arms with all the taunting that the guys are doing. So what happened last year, I think it was in preseason, maybe the year before, Todd Haley was on the field, didn't he? You remember that? Todd Haley was uh, was he with the Browns maybe playing the Steelers, and he was on the field doing an entire thing. I mean, coaches get in a little bit of the uh, the mix as well. The, the taunting, if it was like, hey, you can't spike a ball on somebody – you can't win a game and then take the quarterback's helmet off and then hit the helmet with the or hit the quarterback with the helmet. Like if it yep. was like, <laughs> which maybe maybe he was just celebrating a win. By yeah, the way, could have been. I mean, maybe that was taunting. Maybe. If it's not like egregious, what are we taking any emotion away from, AJ? I just don't understand. It has to be that. St- it has to naturally get to that point where to where yeah, like if it's egregious, if it's crazy, if you spike the ball and it hits a dude. Or a guy's laying down and you stand over top and you flex over him. Like, it has to be really bad to call it. That's what I'm hoping happens. I, I really – I just think it would slow the game down and people would get pretty upset if we see some of the stuff we saw called in the preseason, in the regular season. Mara, the owner for the Giants, is speaking when I don't think any of us are asking for him to be speaking. Mm. There is one owner that is mic'd up right now for – HBO, and we're not hearing enough from. Okay? I got a chance to watch about half the hard knocks here on uh, on my wife's laptop because I forgot mine, so she's obviously thrilled that I have to use her <laughs> laptop right now. It's going great. I watched half of it, and I want to let you know there was only about two sentences from Jerry Jones. What the fuck are we doing? Did you see episode two of Hard Knocks, AJ? Big Mike. I did not know he's, hey, popular ain't worth shit right here. I like, I didn't know Mike was like fiery. He's a fiery guy. Have you been watching, following along, and your thoughts on Hard Knocks episode two? Then I'll hear Ty and Connor. Can't wait to hear their thoughts as well. Yeah. I, I like you. I have not seen the whole thing yet. I, I think I saw the first like 15 or 20. But yeah, Big Mike, you didn't think he was fiery? Like he is a guy that absolutely is emotional he's not scared to show his emotions one way or the other and he's very open and honest with the team too i think on how he feels about how you play like he doesn't sugarcoat anything either so yeah i'm i'm not surprised i'm hoping he gets more and more comfortable as hard knocks goes on with the mics and cameras around him hey he's gonna let loose out there when he's talking to (laughs) denooch on the sideline like i i didn't expect to love mike mccarthy okay i did not expect to love big mike right especially because you know, we had gone through a couple different series of thoughts on how Mike McCarthy did get his job with mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys. Uh-huh. Like, did he completely bamboozle <laughs> Pelissero into doing an entire, like, uh, deep thinking piece about Mike McCarthy assembling a whole coaching staff and treating it as if it's day-to-day in his basement? And Jerry Jones was like, shit, give me that guy. He's been coaching while he's fired or whatever, and maybe he got in there. But listening, this is what mic'd up things do. This is what Hard Knocks does. It introduces you to people deeper. You usually respect them a lot more, kind of know more about them. I love Big Mike. I love Jerry. 
I wish they would maybe push that a little bit more. All right, let's get a little bit more Jerry Jones in his son of a bitch. All right, let's go ahead and get him going. I like learning that Zeke also needs baby powder for his gig. Yeah. You know, like, these are things that you learn, kind of humanize everybody. I enjoy it, but episode two thus far has not been like a show season stealer, I don't think. Your thoughts, Ty, Connor? Yeah, it was, I mean – it's hard, it's hard to say it wasn't good because, you know, anytime you get to see stuff like that, it's pretty awesome. But, yeah, I mean, it was a definite step down from the first episode. Like you said, I mean, no one was more happier than me when the Packers fired Mike McCarthy. Ooh. I was fucking ecstatic. But I love the guy. I love the guy. And they do. I think they have a lot of stuff that they maybe leave on the cutting room floor of him because it seems like he is kind of – comfortable in front of the cameras i mean the the way it opened that episode he said fuck like four times in you know 30 seconds and then we didn't really get him you know for the rest of the rest of the episode i I mean i get the danucci stuff and everything but no one cares about that storyline they just don't we want big mike we want jerry Mm -hmm. we want dak we want zeke and learning about dak you know not being happy about his rat like okay it's cool to see the behind the scenes and it was great to see danucci from Western Pennsylvania, put an ass beating on Micah over there from Eastern Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? That was nice in chess because I believe the big thing was that Micah was incredible at chess. Danuch, Italian, obviously from Western Pennsylvania, says, hey, whenever we get on these squares, checkmate, my friend. Uh, I enjoyed the show. Connor, you enjoyed episode two or no? I, I know it wasn't good. The first <laughs> one was good because you got a lot of Jerry. And hey, in the second episode, Jerry's one line about their British D-line coach sounding like Winston Churchill crushed best part of the episode. But the only thing that they do that is good is that it when the preseason came and Danucci's leading the team down, this is at the end of the episode, so you guys might have missed it, but Danucci's leading the team down against the Cardinals in the preseason. They got the music going in the background. They make you feel like it's the Super Bowl for these guys, which it is just because, you know, they're trying to make the team, which is good, but it's like, hey, we're here for McCarthy. We're here for Jerry Jones. Can we please get maybe a conversation, them shooting the shit? I would even watch Jerry Jones just watching the game up in the booth or wherever the hell he is watching these preseason games. But it does bode well for Micah Parsons that he plays chess, right? Like, should we be betting on him winning Defensive Rookie of the Year now that we know he's a master chess player? Well, Micah, I think it was known that he was a good chess player. I don't know if we knew how good he was, and I don't think we still know how good he was because we don't know how good Danuch was. Mm-hmm, Let's true. assume Danuch was a great chess player, so Micah battled. You know, Micah even acknowledged, I should have won closed Sicilian. Yeah. I won open Sicilian. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think we should bet on Micah and be enjoyed by Micah. I, I think if you want to bet on something being good, Jerry Jones, Mike McCarthy, Dak, and Zeke on a mic is going to be good. If you want to bet on something being great, you can bet on SummerSlam this Saturday at Allegiant Stadium. Only available on the cock, Peacock, the party of the summer being absolutely fantastic. I'll be on the call with Michael Cole for some of the matches. Joining us now is a man who will be fighting Jinder Mahal this weekend at SummerSlam. Ladies and gentlemen, the former... WWE champion from Scotland, Drew McIntyre. Yeah! What's up, lads? How's it going, Drew? Back. I'm marvelous. I'm marvelous. Hey, so 
I just want to make sure I call you the right thing. You're not the Scottish psychopath, right? Because you're, you're actually calculated and psychopaths are kind of, you know, spastic. You're the Scottish Terminator? No, no, that was a, a year ago. I'm currently the Scottish <laughs> warrior, I believe. I saw Monday night I watched. You had a fight in a handicap match so that you could take your sword into battle as the Scottish warrior walks into Las Vegas to fight against Jinder Mahal. You put on a hell of a show. Hey, how's momentum going, Drew? You got that sword back? You going to swing that thing all around Vegas or what? I mean, I've got the sword. I feel like the end game has to be I stab somebody. So why not Jinder <laughs> in the biggest stage of all? Over 40,000 people, Vegas, Saturday night. Whew, that's going to be a moment. Hey, Drew, so something that I've seen is is going on in the wrestling community. John Cena comes back and tries to steal all the pub and all the shine. Like, how, do you, how do guys like you feel about that when Cena's around doing this? Uh, I mean, I like having Cena back. Um, he brings the eyeballs that are perhaps lapsed or perhaps not currently watching to the product, which in turn uh, they get to see our current superstars and hopefully stick with the show. You know, if he was somebody who didn't have a passion for the industry – um, it'd probably bother me more, but he genuinely loves WWE. If he could still do it full-time, I know he would do it as opposed to doing the movies right now. Um, so having him back is a big deal and a good thing for me. Let's talk about the fans being back, Drew. You got a chance to experience the pinnacle, you know, after your entire story, too, of being deemed the next one, basically, fall from grace, rebuild, come back, kind of take over, have your moment, become champ. And then it's around the time where there's no fans. The WWE universe is not there. Getting back on the road and in front of people, what has it been like? How have you felt? I've been loving the hell out of it. It's my first time ever doing it or experiencing it. For you getting back out there, how's the road been? It's been great. I mean, the hardest thing I've always getting used to being back on the road after this past year and a half of sitting in my house, basically driving to work once a week. Just getting in those cars and uh, flights every single week again is the hardest adjustment. But having the fans back is such a difference maker. Like, I know every other sport have struggled and said we miss their fans so much, and they have. It's a big difference having that atmosphere, but WWE is such an interactive product. The fans make such a difference to our show. For me personally, as an interactive performer with the fans especially, having them back and having that back and forth has been so much fun for me. And I'm kind of been pleasantly surprised by the reactions, I guess, because... When you're like a good guy in WWE, if you're in everybody's face for a very long time, sometimes they get bored. People don't have kind of short attention spans these days in wrestling and outside of wrestling. They might just turn to the next guy, might boo you until you get lost. But it's been cool to see the fans still on my side and still have that connection. Well, I don't know if they're cheering for you, the sword, or you having to perform at a very, very high level during the hardest era of sports entertainment and professional wrestling. So I like that there has been a lot of appreciation for you watching along. I know it had to have been difficult. I, I, I'm kind of bummed that I haven't been able to hear the people acknowledging you in the uh, arenas because I'm obviously with the SmackDown crew. Can't wait to see you this weekend. Ty, has a, he's been very excited to ask this question as soon as he found out that we had you back on the show, Drew. Yeah, absolutely. Drew, you mentioned Cena earlier. We've we've had John before. You've got a great story. Has WWE approached you about getting into like maybe WWE films? I mean, you got the body type, you know, everything's kind of laid out for you. I mean, have you looked into any anything like that or are you just focused on what you got to do in the ring at all times? 
Yeah, my focus is uh, strictly WWE. You know, I'm so busy, not just in the ring, but outside the ring too with WWE commitments. But if it's there, it's there. If it helps raise my profile, that'll bring new fans to the WWE product, which is my responsibility. And everyone's always telling me, it's like, Drew, if you're going to say, look at you, look, you fell out of Game of Thrones or Braveheart or something. You got to you know, take that around, get yourself out there, get that image out there. And I keep pitching to them, okay, if we're going to do it, we have to do it right. End of Braveheart, he gets killed, he gets hung, drawn, and quartered. His body parts are scattered across the UK. His Wallace's head's on London Bridge. Somebody gets his body parts, puts them back together. Zombies are still the rage. He comes back as Zombie Wallace. Braveheart 2, The Rise of Wallace. <laughs> wreaks havoc in the English. I'm your guy. Oh, yeah! How, how's that not already been made? I, I think you just won an Oscar for thinking of it. <laughs> well, fit it out there. So if someone makes it, I'm Zombie Wallace. <laughs> Hey, all right, Zombie Wallace, you better watch for headshots, right? And garlic? Doesn't fucking garlic kill the zombie? What kills the zombies, Ty? You gotta uh, take their heads right off. Yep, headshots. Separate the brainstem. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, yeah. well, make sure I'll you keep your head on a swivel, but not too much. Uh -huh. yeah, I'm a master of the sword. You ain't getting close to Zombie Wallace. <laughs> How'd the sword, when the sword come? You wanted the sword, I bet? Yeah, hey, give me the sword. I mean, it wasn't my idea, but I wasn't opposed to it. I went, cool, you want to give me a big-ass sword and let me shove it in the stage and set up a bunch of pyro? That sounds cool. <laughs> uh, I, believe <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> I believe it was Vince's idea initially. Um, you know, I was all about it. I pitched uh, kind of using my Scottish heritage for the, the kilt. I never suggested the sword, but leading into my Scottish heritage a little bit because, you know, you want to stand out a little bit more from a brand perspective. And a lot of us are big and in shape and hopefully a little handsome. And uh, you want something a little different outside the box. I said, I'm Scottish. Why don't we lean into the Scottish thing? Outlander's big, and we never used it. But eventually, they came to me and said, how would you feel about uh, bringing it in, bringing your heritage in the history? And I said, absolutely love it. And then they gave me the big-ass sword. I've been swinging it around for a long time now. We just gave it a name. It's named after uh, my late mother, which is really cool. And I'm bringing it to the ring now, and I'm starting to use it. So hopefully, there is an end game for this thing. There must be an end game for this thing. If I'm going to bring it to the ring this much, I better use that bloody thing properly. <laughs> Uh, Angela, by the way, can't wait to see uh, what she that right, Angela. Yes, that's a big ass sword. That's got to be pretty heavy, though, huh? You just do a little bit extra uh, shoulder. I, is it? I mean, that has to be a little bit. Yeah, it's not easy. But when I, when I stick that thing out, um, like every week on Raw, and I I know the camera's still on, I will not shake at all, even no matter how hard it is. I will not look stupid on live TV. <laughs> every every tendon would have to tear, rotate the cuff out, and I would still hold that thing up until the red light went away. So I didn't look like an idiot. <laughs> Connor, what do you got? Yeah, Drew, you don't have to go too much into your strategy for Saturday, but how many Claymore kicks do we think it's going to take to take Ginder down? And also, if it comes to it, Ginder. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I mean, this guy. I, I wrote this. something wrong down. Or are you going to use the sword to chop him in half? A little bit undecided. I mentioned on Raw on Monday that I've known Jinder for over 10 years. Uh, I know how to hurt him. It would be very easy to go in there and just beat the, beat the crap out of him. That's the easy way, you know, cause him physical pain, whatever. I'm all about embarrassing Jinder this Saturday. I know it will hurt him so much more if I just embarrass his ass, beat him quick, do something ridiculous to him that will make people talk about that particular moment um, from Saturday. So in about five years from now, people will say, oh, remember that time? Drew made Jinder look like an idiot in front of 40,000 people. That's my plan this Saturday. I like that. Maybe use the, uh, you know, maybe use the butt of Angela. 
You know, maybe it's uh, instead maybe. of the sharp sides, so you don't necessarily kill him right in front of everybody. Yeah, kill him, I don't want to kill him. I want him to be alive so he's embarrassed afterwards. I got to think this thing through. I'm master of swinging a chair. You may have saw the other week when I hit Shanky 34 times in a row. So I don't know. Maybe I'll get a chair involved as well because it's not easy. I remember I hit Shanky that many times and the live crowd were there. The first time I'd been in front of them in a long time on Raw. And I probably would have hit him 15 times in the Thunderdome, but the fans got so into it, started counting, I hit him 34 times. And afterwards, the doctor's so concerned with Shanky. And I was like, yo, you know how much energy it takes to that? My forearms are killing me. My shoulders are killing me. Can't someone check on Drew McIntyre here? <laughs> you hit a guy with a chair 34 times the other day? Ooh. On Raw a few weeks ago, watch the product, McAfee. <laughs> <laughs> If it means anything, that's why I'm in the house and I'm in. I got five TVs. I'm going to catch up on all the product before SummerSlam because I'm honored to be there. Uh, I can't there wait to watch you do what you do to Jinder Mahal. Hell yeah. You can call him whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> Bitch Mahal. Well, Connor, did, <laughs> Connor did do that. Because he's an idiot. Drew, Drew good yeah. luck this weekend, man, at SummerSlam. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I hope you have an incredible weekend in Allegiant Stadium. Ladies and gentlemen, the Scottish warrior, Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Thank you, guys. See you the weekend. Bye. Thank you, Thanks Drew. Lots. Well, I think we had to hang up on AJ. We're going to have to call him back. Yep. Uh, Connor, what are you doing? Look, That's I, despicable. I wrote down gender, and then when it came to me, I said, Oh shit! It's actually Ginder, and then I said Ginder, and then you know, all of a sudden, I'm in a pretzel. I mean, what are you gonna do? That's all me. I want to disrespect the guy, anyways, because I'm always on the Scottish Warrior side. Hey, yeah, uh, he was the Scottish Terminator at one point. Now he's a Scottish Warrior. Follow the product, McAfee. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I do follow. I do. I I knew. Okay, so I knew the sword was potentially named Angela. Okay. I, I, but I, if I shoot that shot and I miss it, yeah. much worse, I think. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, with, like, without uh, a much doubt. Worse. Without a doubt. Yeah, his, his mom that passed away, yeah, I would, I would hope you would get a name right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, AJ. What, that, that's what's your deal, bad, dude? Way, that's not something I just throw a guess at there. Oh, Beatrice, right? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I did not know that it was named after his mom. Okay? Mm -hmm. I did know it had a name. I thought it was Angela. Didn't want to disrespect the sword. Certainly, certainly don't want to disrespect his mother that has passed. So I'm happy we cleared that up, AJ Hawk. Welcome fucking back, pal. Good to be here. Good to see you, man. You want to go to the phones? one 833 the 5-Hour Energy phone line. Ty, you go to 5HourEnergy.com and use promo code what? McAfee. Boom. What What happened? You're going to get 10% off your order while supplies last through September 30th. When? September 30th. So Ooh. right around the corner here. Get on it. Up. When? September 30th. What? When? <laughs> September 30th. What? That is so, so far away. Yeah, like, it's people like, hear that and they're like, you know what? Got to get my five-hour Angie orders in September 29th. Yeah. yeah you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and when's that? Next year. Okay. Shout out to five-hour Angie just having that thing wide open. Ain't that right, Ty? That's what this is all about. Yeah, they're great people. Great product. Even better people. That's what they say. They do. <laughs> the best. They do. Let's, let's get to the, What was that all about, AJ? I mean, there's no way to ever take 
tie or Connor serious in anything they ever say. What are you talking what the about, hell, dude? What's your deal? It's legit impossible, I think. You're that an asshole. The- Screw you. There we go. That is one of the rudest things I've ever heard. Ever. Yeah. Why? No, it's not. Oh, okay. Your takes are trash is what AJ did. That's not what I'm saying. That's what you said. That's what you said. What I'm saying is their (laughs) delivery is so good, whether they are serious or not. Sometimes you have a problem. Is this guy sarcastic or not? Same thing with you. Like, you love everything, but you hate everything. So with you, it's tough, too. (laughs) I do not. Who told you that? Nobody. I just that's AJ, why did you say that Connor is a stupid face? Yeah, what the <laughs> hell was that about? Stupid face. What did I say? You just well, said that. That's kind of what you said. That's what I was saying you said basically. Oh, what well, don't put words in my mouth first off. You know that's not what oh, I hey, uh, Brian, sure. Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> AJ, I, I am so sorry. I think the local air has gotten to me. It's all thinner out here. Let's go to the uh, yeah. Get some water. You better hydrate. The thin air will get you. Let's go to uh, Robert in Virginia. What's going on, Robert? Hey guys, how y'all doing today? Great. Thanks for asking. AJ, how are you? Oh, doing great. Can't can't speak for anyone else. Doing great though. Ty, Ty. Yeah, I'm fantastic. Oh, that's good, Connor. Pretty good. P- pretty good. Gump, Gump, how you doing? Very good, pal. Very good. Oh, how'd we do last night gambling? Smacked in the mouth. <laughs> no, oh, I didn't do that on purpose. Yes. I thought you won. The roller coaster's back, my friend. We'll be back tonight. No, a slight dip like these Camelback Martins I'm looking at. They got a little <laughs> bit of a whoop de whoop, but inevitably they're going to continue to go up. Diggs, everything good? How you doing? I'm good, pal. Robert, feels like everybody's good, man. What do you want to talk about? Hey, man, I heard y'all talking about, well, you actually talking about the Giants uh, and specifically Mr. Mara. And uh, I've been a Giants fan since I was a freaking kid, man. But the bottom line is, uh, other than the, the, the guy, the original Mara, I mean, Wellington, that bought the team back in the 20s, not a fucking one of them know a goddamn thing about football. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Robert there. Uh, didn't mean to end that maybe early. Found a high point, though. Big pop, good walk-off out of Bob in Virginia. Mara talking is fascinating because he's been kind of a little bit chirpy. You know what I mean? Why are you making all these free agency moves? I'm sick of telling my golf team uh, uh, group that why we stink every year. So they make some moves. Now, we've been talking. We're sick of the taunting. We're sick of the talk. We're going to change the rules. This guy, should he have this much? How come this isn't a voted thing, AJ? I feel like there's no players, by the way, that are represented in the competition committee. There's owners, general managers, coaches, no players, no refs in there. Fascinating stuff, AJ. So these are the guys that come up with and, I guess, vote on these new rules? This is the only crew? This is all that, that takes part in it? This is the group, this is the committee, and they're also the ones that put the points of emphasis, which is, once again, I can't stress this enough, a point of emphasis is them spotlighting a rule and saying, hey, we want to go ahead and shape the way the future of the league looks a little bit with this type of thing. So that's the group that does it. I have a lot of respect for a lot of the people in there. I don't know if any of them are pumped that more is the one delivering their messaging, though. Yeah, maybe they need another captain that's going to speak to the media for all of them because... Like I said before, earlier in the show, like I maybe I missed it, but I didn't think we had a huge taunting problem in the NFL. Like maybe Mara watches different games than I do. Hey, that's good research by you, by the way. You knew we were going to talk about this, and you said 
Let's rack this big old brain of mine, okay, that has never gotten rattled around, zero proven concussions, Mm -hmm. and let me see how many taunting issues I can think back to being problematic. I appreciate you doing research for the show, AJ. We really, maybe we'll win an Emmy one day. Thank Thank you, AJ! Someday. Someday we'll be like Joe Buck when you have like 15 sports Emmys on the shelf behind you. I enjoy Joe Buck, man. People don't like him, though. I guess. I know. People, He's the man. Sure. He sure draws, like, strong reactions from people, it seems like. Yeah, which is good news, I guess. Yeah. Hey. We know about him. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Bingo. Let's go to uh, Ryan in Michigan. What's going on, Ryan, on the 5-hour energy phone line? Hey, shout out, Pat and boys. AJ, how's it going? Shout out. Shout, shout out. out. Hey, AJ, how's it going? Should we go? Oh, yeah, I'm doing great, Pat. What's up about you, Ty? <laughs> Doing good? Connor? Good. I'd be better if you didn't dump on me and Ty earlier, but good. Okay, Zeke, you look good back there. You don't need to respond because you're, you're working 13 joysticks, and I'm texting you <laughs> trying to get audio situated, so I thank you. Appreciate your work, Zeke. Why are you doing that? That's why he can't text me and tell me what's going on because you're sh- – of course. Come on. I'm good. Of course, AJ. I'm good now, though. We're good now. Zeke, Hell yeah. Zeke is a wizard. He's unbelievable what he can do when he throws together. Bro, he's spinning 14 plates right now. Legit. <laughs> he's spinning them like this. Got them on his feet and everything. He's got sandals on. Good news for everybody. Well, no, but he is, he's spinning all these plates. Zito is unfucking believable Zito, thank you, buddy. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ryan, everybody's good. What do you want to talk about? Hey, so uh, Packers and Jets are practicing this week. Uh, you think Rod is going to talk to Zach Wilson about uh, his swag? Great question. We appreciate that. I saw the photos of Zach and Aaron talking before the practice. And if you do recall, Zach Wilson gave a quote about swag and called out Aaron Rodgers directly, who I believe he has always been a fan of. He has been on the record, I guess, of saying that. Kind of took a shot at Aaron, though, for being a boring dresser, kind of not being very flashy. So that led to us asking Aaron Rodgers his thoughts on that and giving an entire Super deep quote about you owning your inner essence. That's what true swag is. So Aaron obviously knows of Zach. Zach knows of Aaron. I don't think there's any real beef in there because Aaron's viewpoint on swag and what Zach said would never really offend him. But I can't wait just to hear the stories out of Zach and Aaron's conversation, the Jets, what they're saying. This is going to be Aaron versus another team for the first time since, you know, all of the shits has gone down. All I've seen him do is drop balls in the buckets. I'm assuming he's going to do the same damn thing against Bob Sala's defense, but these joint practices are fascinating. I still, AJ, don't understand how they don't end in a brawl every single time like the Rams and Cowboys did with Aaron Donald on hard knocks last night. Yeah, you would think that it would end in fight. There'd be a ton of them, but yeah, teams do a good job of of shutting stuff down right away because you say it all the time. We know a fight doesn't just happen one play. All of a sudden, the guy gets mad. If there's a buildup, play after play, where you can feel it coming, so they shut it down. But I think also the joint practices, some of those periods are going to be much more intense than any preseason game these starters are going to play in. So they do they do two-minute ones-on-ones. That's where you want to watch and see where your team's at offensively and defensively because that's being treated like a game, basically, between those two teams. And I've heard the upside is obviously it's like three preseason games in a row basically, because teams get a chance to evaluate two full rosters of 90 players to see who they really want. You're able to do that whole thing. But now every single rep and every single 
uh, both team period. That is a preseason drill. That is a preseason rep. That is a game rep. And that is potentially for one roster spot on both teams. So it is very fascinating the amount of intensity that can be brought. And yet again, to what we were both speaking of and the players were quoted last night while mic'd up while watching the hard knocks. I don't know how they don't all brawl all the time. I honestly, with, with all the jobs on the line, the different jersey for the first time, everything like that, I don't know how it doesn't become an alpha, alpha, alpha moment. But I guess some teams really do it well. The Patriots love it. It seems like Bill Belichick is all the way in on joint practices. They have one this week with the Eagles, next week with the Giants. He probably likes it because he gets a chance to see all the players. He gets to see where they match up, what they can do, especially with Mac Jones, uh, not just their team who potentially knows the plays, other teams as well, and how the NFL is going to fare for that rookie quarterback. Has he always done that, Connor? Has he always been a joint practice guy? I don't know if he's done multiple in the same preseason, but I know for the past few years they have been. And also, to your point, you also wonder if that uh, the other coach Coaches want to do it with Bill because I'm not sure if you heard what Sirianni said. Uh, getting the chance to coach alongside Bill Belichick, he was very happy and appreciative of him being the greatest coach of all time. Ty, I don't know if you saw it or. Well, yeah, I mean that's basically what he said verbatim. You know, was like, listen, I read well, not not read, but watch documentaries of these great football coaches and great teachers and great orators. I want listen, Bill Belichick. I mean, he is. He's the best. He's the best. (laughs) He's the best ever. He's the best ever. He said this. Yes, this is really what he said. Ty. Ty does, you know, put some emphasis on different things. (laughs) But you know, when he delivers it. But these are all real quotes. Sirianni. If Sirianni wasn't in the MCDC hiring process, just like just like Ty said like a week ago, if we're paying more attention to Sirianni as opposed to just MCDC, <laughs> Sirianni's a character. Oh yeah, uh-huh. Sirianni is a deep thinker. He's going to become. Is not he's the scared. kind of guy, though, Pat. Think about it. He's the kind of guy that if he's able to win, he's going to become like a cult hero. Where his like unique way that he is, people are going to well, all of a sudden we'll see many Sirianni start coming up. I'm going to say this. Whenever I watch Sirianni speak, both as Ty and as actual Sirianni, <laughs> I like him more. The way I like, I would want to be friends with this guy. You know, like he literally came out and said, you know, the documentary, that's what he said. But I also like watching documentaries. I like learning why people are great. The greats are great. And it's like if you get a chance to coach on the same field as Bill Belichick, like in your first year being a head coach, you might as well. Why not do like – I appreciate everything Sirianni's saying, but if it wasn't for MCDC, Sirianni, I think, would be the headline guy for, like, deep-thinking head coach guy moving forward. Hopefully they both have some success. All right, that's the show. We appreciate the hell out of you guys listening. Big show tomorrow. Big show tomorrow. Hashtag end of pod squad. You guys are the best. Cheers.